Welcome to the Final Fantasy Appreciation Society. Tonight we have Suna uh, from Suna Mods, and you guys all know him for helping us make or making for us some absolutely amazing Final Fantasy mods with his team of friends. So um, tonight we have lots of questions, but obviously it is the Final Fantasy Appreciation Society where you guys get to ask the questions to the guests as well. So I have a channel point command, which is only 50 points, so you should already have access to it. And you can ask any question that you've been burning to ask sooner all these years, you can ask tonight. And I can see we've already had a couple come in actually, which is quite exciting. Um, but what we will do first and foremost is we'll let sooner introduce himself a little bit and, um, and then I will start asking some already set questions. So sooner, if you could just introduce yourself. Yeah, so hi everybody, how's it going? My name is Suna from Sunamods. Um, <laughs> I am a modder for Final Fantasy VII and now eight and nine, as well as the King of Fighters XV recently. That's our latest. We're branching out of Final Fantasy a little bit just to uh, test the waters. Um, Full-time streamer doing exactly this stuff and pretty sure I've come across some of you before and you are even voices in the projects that we work on. So Ooh, exciting. <laughs> great to see everybody. Wonderful. Um, well, the first thing I kind of want to talk about is Echo S7 actually, because obviously that took you seven years to complete, um, is. which is voicing um, the entire Final Fantasy VII. Um, so my question about that is, when did you first have the idea for it? And when did you first believe you could actually do it? Okay, so um, I remember the the day that the idea came to me, uh, I found a forum. There's a forum named the Quim Forums. And on there, I was still a very newbie modder myself at this point. And I found a program named Ultrasound, and it was advertised in such a way where it said that it could voice act Final Fantasy VII. And I actually misread all of this and assumed it was already a voice mod, and I downloaded it, and I was just trying to play with it. I couldn't get it to work. So I was, I, I was going back and forward with the creator of this, trying to get this voice mod to work. Um, and they didn't realize that that was what I was thinking. And then when they finally clicked onto that, they were like, oh, no, this isn't a voice mod. It just allows somebody to be able to voice mod. And then my brain went, that sounds like a challenge. <laughs> I could do this. <laughs> so I spent, uh, I spent maybe two or three days trying to work that out. And it was about 4.30 in the morning, I believe, when I got the first line ever to play in Final Fantasy VII. Um, I remember I was sat on the floor in my living room at my kitchen or at my dining room, to, uh, like my, my coffee table in the living room. And whenever it played for the first time, my reaction was probably priceless. I wish that it was recorded somewhere. I, I was up on my feet. I was screaming. I was super excited about it. Um, then my missus and the dog runs in all panicked, thinking that something really bad has happened. <laughs> And then there's me like, no, I got voices to play in Final Fantasy VII. And she's just like, are you serious? I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> just left. That's amazing. <laughs> so when when did you believe, like, did you believe you could then do the whole game from that point forth? 
I did, yeah. Um, so I already knew that there were websites where you could put up uh, projects. And I know that typically voice actors, they will have to probably go through their first year of voice acting without ever actually getting paid, which really sucks, but it's part of the portfolio. It's kind of just what you have to do, unfortunately. And a lot of people were very open to the idea of being in the game, even if they just played NPCs. Um, and because I already semi had a community because I was already modding the game and seventh heaven and everything, um, it was reasonably easy to pick up quite a few people. And I definitely had the willpower and the passion to actually get it finished regardless of how long it took. And at the same time, I knew in the back of my head, if I finish this, it's something special. You know, if, if I do nothing for the rest of my life, that's something that I'll be remembered for, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I definitely amazing. had the I had the that thing in your head that the drive that just makes you not be able to fail at something, you know. That's excellent. That's amazing. Um, and I'm actually gonna show a video now. I think of the moment where you are finishing it after seven whole years, um, because some people might not have witnessed this moment yet. It is up on YouTube, guys. If any of you do want to to see it. Um, but I just wanted to sort of play it a little bit um, and ask Sooner if you could just kind of explain a little bit of like how your emotions at the time. Um, let me just um, bring it up a little. Your at this point, how many days into a subathon? Um, I think it was maybe five or six. It wasn't so much how long I'd been live that really sort of got to me here, because I'm very used to being live for long periods of time. It's it's mostly just that because I knew I was at the end of the game anyway, and I was, you know, granted subathons do take a lot of energy from you, but the adrenaline dump that I had that day outweighs literally anything that I've ever done. Like, I, I, I'm a dad, and I've never had an adrenaline dump like that day. <laughs> <laughs> this beats that somehow. Because, <laughs> yeah, we were, we spent, I think that day we spent something like five or six hours prior to this moment importing all of the lines for the Northern Cave, uh, the edited credit scene and everything. Because my goal was I didn't want to test any of those lines. I wanted to import all of those lines, hope just fingers crossed and hope that they all worked perfectly without testing so that I could get a very full, clean reaction, like one sitting. Because something that I've never been able to experience as the creator of Echo S7 was that sort of blind playthrough aspect. You know, I, I don't get to react to it because I'm the one making it. I'm always listening to the lines. I have to beta test it and recode the game and do all that stuff. So this was actually the first time ever that I got to just put the lines in the game and then play it fresh and have my actual reaction to it. And if there was ever going to be a big moment for that, it was going to be that day. <laughs> um, I also broke my Twitch record for the amount of viewers that day. There were so many people. I also, uh, I made, I, I angered a lot of people on this, uh, on this particular stream. Um, because I knew that it was going to become a video that I uploaded. I didn't care how many views it got. It was specifically for memory purposes for myself. And during this the stream, I said to everybody, 
you should find a way to get an alert so that your name is on this video. So it's just cemented in history. But I know that, you know, at that point, hosts weren't a thing. So you couldn't, you couldn't just raid unless you were streaming. And the only other ways to get your name on an alert was to spend money. But I didn't want it to be that way. So I suggested that everybody would unfollow and then follow again. And there was a lot of people that had been following for years. And I have my follow age command like many streamers do. People were saving up and being like, hey, look, I've been following Suna for like three years. How cool is this? And then suddenly it's back to zero days and everybody was yelling at me. And I was like, oh, I didn't think of this. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, oh dear. Yeah, that's... Um, but yeah, quite a momentous occasion. I do remember, I do remember last year, um, seeing you live for so long and I would dip in and out just to be like, what's he doing? What's he up to? This is going on for so long. Um, and obviously it was the, it was the end. It was, it was you finally finishing Echo S7. Um, so how has the Twitch community sort of felt, helped you through this whole process over the years? I actually think that it probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the Twitch community. Um, I know that realistically you're supposed to be humble and say things like that, but I genuinely, I genuinely mean it that the when it comes to subathons and streaming this work, it's it's helped me substantially because if I was to sit and code this game, do editing and inject lines and beta test it. If I did all of that off stream, it just in my own time, and I had music on or a TV show on my second monitor, just while I sort of autopiloted the uh, the Echo S work, I'd probably do it for forty five minutes to an hour, and then want to take a break, or I would get bored of doing it, and I would say to myself, "All right, I'll, I'll take a ten minute break. I'll come back to it," and I wouldn't have come back to it. <laughs> I would have maybe got an hour a day done, as opposed to when I'm streaming it, and I get six to seven hours a day done. And at the same time, with me streaming that kind of stuff, the fact that every single NPC in the entire game is voiced, it came from those people. My Twitch community and extended Twitch communities, they all joined together to play every NPC in this project. And I, I actually went so far as I have my own NPC in the game. I, I created a 3D model to look like the way I looked at the time. I voiced it myself, I coded everything, I wrote a script out, and I specify in that script, please talk to everyone during this playthrough, because not even AAA games nowadays voice every single character in in a video game. Granted, it costs them a lot of money to do that kind of thing, and it, it, it doesn't for us, but it was really it was a really cool aspect to be able to say that every single voice line is voiced is already like a top-tier thing. But at the same time, all of the community that supported us throughout the entire creation of that project, they're all in they're in the mod and their names are in the credits. And we can all say that we built this thing together, which is just fantastic, which it was one of the things I really wanted a lot of the news articles that came out to focus on. They decided to focus on more clickbaity things, unfortunately, <laughs> but um <laughs> It's, it was such a big thing for me because at, as well at the same time as just everybody being able to smile and say, I'm a part of that mod and play the game and be like, all right, this NPC, like, listen to this, this is me. 
and you know potentially three to five hundred different experiences of that same thing happening but all of these people are also going to play it because they're in it they would tell their friends about it they would beta test it for me so even on a quote-unquote company level it had its uses as well as just being unreal to begin with (laughs) so i i really believe that without the twitch community it probably wouldn't have ended up getting finished. There's just no way. <laughs> Aww, that is beautiful. Um, so what was it that got you into modding in the first place? And where did you go to learn about the world of modding back back okay. in the day? Okay. Um, so this, this one's a bit of an interesting story too. Um, I think it was with, within the span of a month, I went from never heard of it, never hearing of a mod in my life didn't know they existed didn't know what they would what they did to being one myself um i randomly came across some skyrim mods on nexus um sorry i didn't randomly come across them i went looking for it because i, I was playing skyrim and it annoyed me that when i walked through snow i didn't leave footprints that's how nitpicky i was <laughs> i found a mod to do that and then that made my head click and i was like oh i wonder what mods there are for like final fantasy 7 and stuff and somehow i didn't find the quim forum first i found another private forum called modders haven and this forum wasn't even available to the public it was a completely closed like little modding society um it shouldn't have even been on google i i don't know how i found it i just kind of stumbled in the door they questioned me. It, it was like I, I got interrogated when I walked in that place and I said hi because they had recently gone through a um, like a big theft type of thing because this, this is a team of modders that were closed. People didn't know they existed and they never released anything that they did. They replaced all of the 3D models in the game with ripped versions from PS2 games and Kingdom Hearts just to try and bring the game's quality up a little bit. And they didn't want to go public with it because they were terrified of the legal ramifications because every model had been ripped from other games. Um, And what had happened just before I got there was that two people that were previously members a week prior to me joining had stole all of the stuff, left, and released it under their own name. So they they were pretty annoyed by that and they were very on edge and they thought that I was one of those people pretending not to be one of those people <laughs> um but it, it was a, it was a little strange i didn't have to prove it because they tracked my ip address and one of them dm'd me and said is this where you live and th- they were right and it freaked me out a little bit <laughs> but from that point we became friends they taught me how to uh inject new models into the game uh they are public now uh, they are modders haven um because, well, I I broke out of Modder's Haven after, I think I'd imported 25 or 30 different models, and I wanted to be able to share the work that I'd done. I, I started to think, it's kind of stupid that we're going to spend literally years on this project for the eight of us to be the only people that ever get to play and experience this. So I wanted to release the stuff that I had made. And they said that was totally fine, but everything else would never be a public thing. So in order for a mod like that to actually exist, I would have to do the whole game myself, effectively. 
And I just didn't agree with this ideology, so I left the team and I created Sunomods. Uh, and then I started modding publicly. I was looking for other people that were also interested in modding and people that liked the same idea and they wanted to learn with me. And it grew into something that I never expected uh, to the point where I became the guinea pig for Modders Haven. And they were like, okay, you're big time now. You've not got in any trouble with Square Enix or the lore or anything. So we'll we'll come out too. <laughs> and we're still friends and talk to this day. And that was... That was maybe 10 years ago, so... Wow, that is an amazing story. Um, well, you say there about how you you started with the Skyrim and then you move very quickly on to Final Fantasy VII. What is it about Final Fantasy VII that made that be, like, your passion project? Um, honestly, I think a lot of it was just the possibilities. Because my favourite game is actually Final Fantasy IX. But, I mean, never mind now, it's, it's still just as bad now, but 10 years ago, I don't think there was a single mod for Final Fantasy IX. And I also wasn't typically a, a pretty big gamer in general. When I, when I grew up, um, Final Fantasy VII did teach me how to read uh, in general, which is just really cool to begin with. Which, it, it's also kind of funny how it's gone full circle, how the game taught me how to read, and now I've created a mod that means you don't have to <laughs> uh, but but yeah um i when i came across the quim forums it just had tons of stuff for final fantasy 7 and the availability for everything was right there the the possibilities were practically endless with what we could do and it was just a really good starting point it was still one of my top three games of all times and yeah i just it, like i said too i kind of stumbled upon this by total accident it, it sort of felt like a cult. I, I just I fell through the front door looking for someone to fix my car because it broke down outside and then I couldn't leave for three years, you know? <laughs> I, I just I may as well get good at modding while I'm here, you know? <laughs> um, you mentioned that it's one of your top three. So is Final Fantasy IX also in your top three? And what would the other one be out of your top three? Yeah, so Final Fantasy IX is my first, my my favorite number one game ever. Right? Not just Final Fantasy franchise in general. Um, as for number two, right now I would probably say Escape from Tarkov, which you know, isn't a Final Fantasy <laughs> game. But if you don't if you don't play Escape from Tarkov and you're thinking, oh, I've never heard of that, maybe I'll give it a go. Don't. The game is terrible. <laughs> I know that kind of goes against what I just said, but right now it's in the buggiest mess it's ever been in, and it's disgraceful. But it's a sort of game where I started playing it when it was less buggy, and I fell in love with it, and now it's a buggy mess, but I still love it more than I hate it, so I still <laughs> play it a lot. Um, but yeah, typically I don't actually play too many games. Like I, I grew up as a very outdoor kid, and like through my teenage years, going to high school, going to college, was very outdoor kid. I, people say to me all the time, like, what games did you play as a kid? And sure, it's like Spyro, Crash Bandicoot. Uh, and then that's kind of it, you know, the Final Fantasy series. I've, I've probably only played about 30 games in my entire life. <laughs> wow. Which I feel like it's very uncommon. Like people ask me on my stream all the time, are you going to watch E3 this year? And the Tokyo Game 
Tokyo Game Show, I think it is. Or, you know, all these different ones. And they're like, can you react to it on stream? And I'm like, I'm going to watch it. But the only reason I'm watching it is because I'm waiting for FF9 Remake. And my reactions for everything else is just going to be me sat there blankly because I don't really care, you know? So do do we think that there might ever be a Final Fantasy IX remake? Oh, there will. There will, yeah. I am I am certain of it just because there was a leak from Nvidia a few years ago that had Final Fantasy IX remake on it. And granted, it could have been a lie. But I'm fairly certain at this point in time that every other game on that list has now come to exist, except mm -hmm. for FF9. And if that is the case and FF9 does exist and we just don't know it yet, I think Square's actually done a really good job of this because they've inevitably, they, 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 they've accidentally found a way for everyone to know it exists without announcing it. Because if they would have announced it like three years ago, We'd have been still sat here today being like, where's FF9? Every year when a new thing came out, we'd have complained that there was no footage. There was no new trailer. There's no gameplay. It's took three years. Why isn't it ready yet? You know, just your typical impatience. But I think that we all know it exists because of that leak, but Square hasn't had to say anything. So we're not holding them to it. Nobody's complaining that we haven't seen anything yet because we can't actually prove that it's real. <laughs> so it's a great publicity stunt. That's what it, it is. It could be, yeah. I think they've made they've made great of a negative situation. Um, which is a pretty good trait to have. Yeah. Uh, chat, I just want to remind you guys, as Zessel just did there in chat, and Tomato, look at that. That's exactly what I was about to ask you guys. I was going to say, if you've got any questions that you want to ask sooner, please chuck them in and I will get round to them. Um, I just wanted to say, because we've just gone through your top three favorites, um, what is your least favorite Final Fantasy? I guess you probably haven't played all of them, but if you, what is your least favorite Final Fantasy? Uh, that would be eight. <laughs> uh, so I know there's there's a massive love hate relationship with Final Fantasy VIII. I think it's probably the most controversial out of all of them. Um, for those of you that do love Final Fantasy VIII, I know there are like fifty percent of people that you come across that are you know roughly around their thirties. Final Fantasy VIII would have been their first, and therefore they love it because there is this this tradition of whichever your first Final Fantasy game is typically the one that you love and is your favorite game for the rest of your life. Um, I do appreciate Final Fantasy VIII for what it is. I absolutely love Disc 1, but my problem, it isn't the draw system. It isn't how complex that everything is. I don't exactly like the uh, the weapon system too much. You know, You can't just go to a shop and buy a new weapon. You have to upgrade your current one. I like the idea. I didn't really like the execution. But my biggest downfall with Final Fantasy VIII is simply that I feel that somebody that had a really good grasp on a great story wrote and created Disc 1 and then decided they're not interested anymore or they got fired or something. And then whoever was brought on to make Disc 2 wasn't told what Disc 1 was about. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel Final Fantasy VIII is. Um, and now we're creating Echo S8 and we're, we're voice acting the whole thing. Um, I think that it's actually going to make the game significantly better. 
because I could very well be a culprit of not understanding the story properly, which I think is very accepting with Final Fantasy VIII. Um, but Crane, who is the uh, voice director for all of our projects, he, I think, I believe Final Fantasy VIII is his favorite, and he would be capable of sitting and explaining to everybody every piece that they have missed, why they're wrong in their, like, bits of information that they thought they were right about or they've picked up on and whatever. Crane can make Final Fantasy VIII a good game for you, at least story-wise. You know, he, he, you're, you're not going to sit and play it and he's going to explain it to you, but if he read it to you like a storybook, you would love it. And because he's the one in charge of our Final Fantasy VIII team, I think he's going to, quote-unquote, make FF8 a good game. <laughs> which I'm excited for. And I don't work on Final Fantasy VIII too much. I'm on the Final Fantasy IX team. Um, now that makes a bit more sense because I don't like Final Fantasy VIII and Final Fantasy IX is my favorite, so it makes sense why I'm on the FF9 team. Assuming they don't need my assistance too much, I'm going to get to play Echo S8 pretty much blind and enjoy FF8 for basically the first time ever because I've, I've played it maybe twice in my life a very, very long time ago. So I'll get the the full experience, brand new, and I think FF8 would benefit mostly from voice acting out of any of the other games as well, just because of the way the story is and the world is full of human beings that are autonomous, like um, a and what's the word I'm looking for? I'm they look like human beings, you yeah. know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Skeletal wise, <laughs> you know. Uh, Tomato has actually asked the question. Um, have you tried the Final Fantasy VIII Ragnarok mod? I haven't. I have seen people play it. Um, I do still support my streamer friends that decide they want to play Final Fantasy VIII for some reason. Uh, <laughs> so I have seen people play it. Um, I don't remember too much about it, not being the person that actually played it, and typically it would be on my second screen while I do something else. I haven't walked away with too much information, but I, I know a good bit of it, at least. Um, so just going back to that whole, uh, so now you guys, Sooner Mods, are doing Echo S 8 and 9 pretty much at the same time, is that correct? Yes. Um, because obviously 7 took you 7 years, but it's not going to take that long for these two projects. How Do you have an estimate of how long you think 8 and 9 are actually going to take you to complete? Um, sort of. I guess to a degree, uh, my estimate typically would change month by month because I, I have to base my estimate on how long it took to do what we have done so far. So let's say it took us two months to do 10% of the game. I would then, you know, just do the math and work out what it was going to be. The, the hard part about that is that progress will drastically change month to month based on the voice actors and their real life scenarios because you know they do all work for free and such and sometimes we run into problems um famously we have named the problems that we have the sevening uh which is just you know play on just final fantasy seven uh but typically things will just go wrong for absolutely no reason there have been scenarios where i have coded something that fully worked i would send it to somebody to test and it wouldn't work for them and then they would send it to somebody else and it wouldn't work for them. But they would send it to somebody else and it would work perfectly. And nobody can like recreate it, only specific people can. Or we would do a week's worth of work, it would be saved, we would have a backup, 
But then the version on my computer would undo itself and suddenly the backup on Google Drive just doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and this is just what we call the sevening. Um, <laughs> that can happen at just almost any time and it can very much delay us. Um, but we're hoping, and this is not a promise or a release date by any means, this is just us being like, if we set a goal and we work towards it, we have more chance of hitting it. We hope that we can get both done by the end of this year. Uh, but as of right now, based on just the last two months or so, I think Final Fantasy VIII will be done before Final Fantasy IX. And I will be assisting the FF8 team a little bit. Um, because I believe we're not terribly far off having disc one finished for Final Fantasy VIII. And realistically, we only started in maybe March. So it's it's going pretty quick. It's definitely significantly faster than Seven was because we already have a community. Mm-hmm. We don't have to wait for new people to pop into chat and be like, oh, like I'd like to voice act. It's like, no, I just stick a notification out in Discord to the four or 5,000 people there. Even if 10% of those people stick their hand up, we've done the whole game, you know? <laughs> Um, we're also just better at what we do now because FF7 was our first ever project. It was a learning experience for us. So now we've got one under our belt. We know all of the mistakes that we made and all the possible mistakes we were close to making, and we know how to avoid them. We've planned ahead to just not have those problems whatsoever. Um, and at the same time, the software and the ability to voice act them already exist. Uh, whereas with seven, it was getting updated as we went along and we wanted new features. Uh, so we would have to recode everything we'd done up to that point. Uh, I believe Final Fantasy VIII still does suffer from that a tiny bit. It is currently incapable of voicing battle dialogue. Um, FF9 is incredible, though. You could name any situation possible in a fight and we can attach a voice file to it. So we, we we don't have to wait for updates and stuff like that to happen. So we can just fly, which is super, super useful. I will really look forward to being able to play Final Fantasy IX with voices in it. That's going to be so good. Um, my next question is, how do you feel about Final Fantasy VII Remake and the way that that's going? Mm, okay. So I'm actually a pretty big fan of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, Probably for different reasons to other people. I know that a lot of people were worried about the way Remake was going to turn out before it was released. And personally, I I was kind of on the other side. I enjoyed the fact that it was going to change, and I kind of pushed for it. I wanted it to change. Mainly because I knew that I was working on the remake that I actually wanted. I wasn't waiting for somebody else to create it. I wasn't hoping that somebody else was creating it. I was the one actually doing it. So I thought, if FF8, if FF7 Remake is a brand new game and I get to play Final Fantasy VII for the first time ever, a second time, that's an extremely unique scenario that chances are you'll never get with anything else ever. You know, unless you lose your memory or something, God forbid. But <laughs> I, I wanted it to be in an entirely fresh game because I knew that the, the original would always be there and we can do just about anything to it to satisfy the people that were very let down by the real remake. So I wanted and, it to change. <laughs> and um, when it comes to 
the mods of Final Fantasy VII, whenever you've played Final Fantasy VII in the past, what mods would you actually install yourself personally? Right. Uh, so there is a set list that I was I would typically use. So I'll I'll open my mod manager here for a sec because I can just give you the uh, the exact stuff. So there is a set of mods called SYW that I would typically use. They are AI upscaled versions of the original textures. It could be for field, the, the field backgrounds that you walk on top of. It could be the magic spells. It could be the mini game textures, the battle textures, any of those, and the FMVs especially. Um, they are an incredible set to have. Even if you are... I forget the exact word for this, but people that don't like to alter their games, they, they like it to stay exactly the way it was. Um, but even if you are someone that doesn't like the idea of modding your games, FF7 is perfect the way it is and nobody should ever touch it. The SYW pack, a purist, that's the one. <laughs> if, if, if you are a purist, the SYW pack is absolutely perfect for you because it is just an upscale of the original stuff. It's, it's just like changing a YouTube video from 360p to 1080p. You know, it's, it's that simple. Um, alongside that, I would recommend having the Avalanche Arisen Battle Textures. It is personal preference. Um, they are all of the battle environments, except instead of being upscaled, they were redrawn. So they don't suffer from, if you had nothing to begin with and you upscale it, you just have a prettier nothing. Uh, they actually, um, Uprisen is the creator of that one, he's in chat here. And he went through and retextured every single texture in the uh, environments, which is really nice. Uh, there is a mod for the world textures that is the same, which is just called Combined HD World Textures. It really could use a better name. Uh, <laughs> then, you know, Echo S, highly recommend that one. <laughs> there is Cosmo Memory, which is far more extensive than it ever should have been. <laughs> I don't know how he had the patience for this, but he replaced every sound effect in the game. He then added ambient sound effects to every screen in the game. So if you're walking past the waterfall in Aerith's house, you will hear the waterfall. If you're in a reactor, you'll actually hear the humming of the machines working. Towns will have chatter in the background. And it really brings FF7 to life. Until you've played with Echo S and Cosmo Memory together, you won't notice just how quiet Final Fantasy VII actually is. I, I honestly just play with those two mods for ten minutes, do the first reactor, then turn them off and do it again, and you'll cringe. I promise you'll you'll cringe. Like this game is so quiet. <laughs> um, as well as that, it adds live footsteps based on the terrain you're actually walking on. So if you're walking on grass, you'll have grass footsteps or concrete or metal, and the likes. Uh, it also replaces the audio from all of the FMVs as well. Uh, yeah, there's absolute ton of stuff there, but that just about covers everything that Cosmo Memory does. There is the enhanced stock UI, which just makes the um, it makes the menu look like it was made today as opposed to 25 years ago. It's exactly the same menu. In fact, if, if you're looking at the video playing on the stream right now, just you'll just see that the text boxes look like they're a bit higher resolution. The, the color fade, granted in this video I used black and gray, which isn't great for this, but you can tell that the text box just looks higher resolution. It's just really nice. You know? And it does that into the entire menu. Um, other mods are finishing touches like a, an addition to the UI. So you would use... Enhanced Stock UI to make it prettier. And then Enhanced Stock UI is like a plugin that you would stick on top. And all of these things are fully customizable. 
even with Echo S, you can play Echo S and turn off the voice acting if you don't want it. If you just want it for the, like the retranslation, you you, know, you can't like Seventh Heaven and all the different mods we have. They are just a build your own Final Fantasy Seven. It's quite literally what it is. It's fantastic. And actually, I wanted um, to ask that about that. Um, is it true that you helped overhaul the Seventh Heaven launcher and make it what it is today? Yes. Uh, so. Not me specifically per se, but the Sunamods team did in, uh, in inherit it effectively. It's gone through a lot of owners over the years, and people they maybe work on it for six or seven months. They do the little bit of coding that they can understand, and then they run out of ideas and they pass the torch on to the next person. And currently, Seventh Heaven is in the hands of our team. Um, one thing I can mention is that. Uh, it's not going to be around forever because there is a predecessor on the way and it's going to be able to mod Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9 all in one. So <laughs> this thing will become a relic not far in the future. We shall see. <laughs> Tomato's just written 8th heaven? <laughs> uh, as of right now, I don't think it is officially named. We have a couple ideas. I think our, um, you know, typically a company when they're making something, they will have a project name that they just refer to it as. It is currently called Project Prelude, which might end up staying. Who knows? Um, but we'll see. As of right now, it's not officially named anything. It, it doesn't technically exist yet. All, a lot of the code exists for it, but there's no like, there's nothing to look at. There's no interface to actually interact with or anything. So. It's just kind of the, the cogs in the background for now. <laughs> um, I'm going to start getting into some of the questions that chat have already put through. Um, we'll go through a couple of yeah, these sure. before I carry on. Uh, just to remind you guys in chat, if you do have questions, it's a channel point command that you can redeem. If you've ever had a question that you wanted to ask sooner direct, now is your chance. Uh, the first one I have from Tomato is your, what is your favorite Final Fantasy character? My favorite character? Uh, it's a little tough, actually. Um, my brain would yell at me if I said anybody but Vivi from <laughs> FF9. Um, but I really think Vivi was just created to be everybody's favorite character when you play that game. Uh, <laughs> I also really, really enjoy Zidane. I, I feel like Zidane is somebody that I actually sort of grew up basing... You know how like you grow up into be a specific person, but sometimes you'll take personality traits or you'd look at someone and think you 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 like molded yourself around a character that you knew kind of thing. I think a lot of us have probably gone through that. We could probably think there was a character we enjoyed as a kid and we aspired to be that person or whatever, you know. Yeah, you emulate them. I think Zidane is somebody that I emulated growing up. So I, I would I would almost say, I don't know if it's considered cheating, but I would have two favorites in Vivi and Zidane, but for different reasons. Vivi is just the most precious thing in the world, and if anyone ever hurts him, I will come for you. <laughs> but Zidane, because I, like, connect, sort of, you know. So when it comes to the voicing of these characters that you love so much, was it was it hard for you to, or if you, if it were even you, to choose the voices for Vivi and Zidane? Um, not exactly. It was it was quite an easy thing to do. Uh, for the most part, I think 
most of us always had the same sort of headcanon voices for Final Fantasy IX. I don't really know how this happened, but there's a lot of people I speak to or a lot of people that have watched our trailer that we put out that had some of the voice casts on there. And a lot of the people are just like, this is exactly the voice I always had in my head. Now, granted, people like Zidane have got an official voice in Dissidia NT, uh, which we actually went against the grain for. We don't, myself and Crane, because Crane was inevitably the one that cast being the voice director. Um, but we we both agreed very easily on who should be cast for who and the way they should sound. Uh, for example, here's a good one for everybody in chat. If you've played Final Fantasy IX, you'll know the character Quinna. Tell me that Quinna's voice in your head every time you've ever played it isn't either Jar Jar Binks from Star Wars or Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. That is the voice you've always heard for Quinna. <laughs> it's just as if we all knew, you know. Vivi was always going to sound the exact way. Zidane, to a degree, I think everybody kind of understood there's a lot of lore behind the reason that we made Zidane sound the way he does, actually, which a lot of people will not know about, and I would be happy to talk about if the uh, if the question arises, I guess. Um, then we did make some creative choices. So take Freya, for example, um, which as of right now in our video, uh, when we put up, you know, if anybody is like, you know, we don't like a particular voice style or whatever, you know, we did write on the video that... Um, voices may or may not change in the future um I, I mentioned that just because some people were a bit iffy about freya they'll come around to it eventually um just like some people were iffy about cloud's voice in final fantasy 7 and then they played the bombing mission and they were like oh, okay this is just the way cloud sounds now <laughs> it's great um but we did a lot of research with freya to the point where i don't think anyone would ever understand it there are definitely ways you can voice a character and people are like, ah, oh, I get it now. You know, they, they connect the dots. But Freya, we went so deep with trying to work out the way she sounded that I don't think anyone would ever make the connection. Um, I won't bother with the story. <laughs> but but yeah, inevitably, I think a lot of the characters in Final Fantasy IX had the same headcanon voices for everybody. And it was quite an easy thing to uh, for us to do. There were definitely some people that applied and... We still did it properly. We listened to every application and we took everybody into consideration. But there were definitely some people that applied on the first day or so when we were like, that's that's the person we're casting. We've got to <laughs> wait a month, but that's that's the one. <laughs> uh, Crane did actually write in chat, do it, when uh, you said about the law for Zidane. The law for Zidane, right. So, yes. Um, also, yes, his name is Zidane, just from Dissidia, you know. it's at, I've called him Zidane my entire <laughs> life. Now I'm training myself to be able to say Zidane. It's taken me a while. Another one I, I absolutely despise is Brane. It's Queen Bran. I've said <laughs> Queen Bran my whole life. I still now refuse to say Queen Brani, but that's the <laughs> way it is. I hate it. Um, but yes, the law for Zidane and his voice that we chose is... If you've ever heard of or seen a program named Lupin the Third, it is about a French thief who is human, but very, very much looks like a monkey, has the same features. Zidane has his entire personality, character, design, everything based off of Lupin the Third. That is where his influence came from. Um, and that is also where his name came from. Zidane being a French name, Lupin the Third is French, and I don't fully know 
Crane might be able to correct me here if I'm wrong. I don't know if the French footballer Zinedine Zidane actually had anything to do with the naming there. Because I do know that Final Fantasy IX in France, they actually renamed Zidane because they didn't want the clash between the two. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't inspired by, so I'm not fully sure. Um, but there are trailers for Lupin the Third. There's a movie that came out this year, I believe. If you just watch that trailer, you will fully understand everything about Zidane and where his character came from, his personality. He's even a jewel thief. That is his thing. He is a thief, you know, Zidane's a thief in FF9, but he is specifically a jewel thief, which is where Garnet came from in Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> Um, in fact, all of the characters come from Lupin the Third in their own in their own way. So I highly recommend like just looking it up. Go go through uh, the, the the video trailer and you'll see the similarities. You'll understand where things are coming from. That's very that's yeah. That's very interesting. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, I actually have a, a channel point redemption from Zessel that isn't a question. Um, it says not a question, but much more of a statement and a thanks. I would never have met me uh h and this community if it wasn't for sooner which is amazing thanks Cecil. It, it might be it might be i i can still remember the day that i met Cecil. Oh. funnily enough i've i've met you know i've met and an awful amount of streamers at this point um and i i think like Zessel is the one that stuck in my head i won't tell the story um you know that's mine and Zessel's story unless Zessel's like nah please like go ahead tell everyone <laughs> then maybe but i i, I very much remember Zessel's story it's uh, uh it, was, it was very interesting oh <laughs> uh, um i've got another question from Anth anthogator um Suno, what is your favorite line that you added into the game? What about your favorite line that you couldn't add into the game? So what is your favorite line that you added in the game? And what about your favorite line that you couldn't add into the game? Picking a single one? That's <laughs> that's tough. Because uh, I I don't want to cheat because, you know, I have multiple for very different reasons. Um, but if if I absolutely had to pick a single one that is in Echo S7 right now, <coughs> it would probably be the Easter egg. Uh, so for anyone unaware, we did add an Easter egg to the second reactor, uh, the button press mini game, where you know the three of you have to press the button at the same time and then the door's open. I recoded that entire screen to have an Easter egg in it where Tifa gets more and more annoyed at you the more that you fail the button. And this idea came to me because Typically, in the original game, she would have one line, led, like, shake it off, let's try again. And if you just happen to suck at this game, or even if, if you're using the 60 FPS mod, which is also on my uh, you should highly use list, it's more difficult because there are less frames, or the frames are moving faster, but the code hasn't been altered to allow for double the amount of frames to allow you to press the button in time. So it's it's a more difficult mini game, and if you're going to be playing it, and Tifa is actively voiced saying "shake it off, let's try again, shake it off, let's try again," you get "I could kill for a shower" vibes from FF7 remake, right? We all got sick of hearing that line. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? It'd be funny if I just had it get progressively worse and worse and worse, and if you fail enough times, um, 
I don't know what profanity is like on the stream. I don't know if that's it's fine. accepted. It's fine. Um, Tifa will quite literally say, what the fuck, Cloud? Move, I've got this. She <laughs> destroys the panel. The door opens and she says, that's how you open a fucking door. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I'm really it's, bad it's, at that mini game, so... <laughs> I'll, it is so I'll get good. That. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, okay, what was the what was the other part of that question? It was what is the one that didn't make it into the game? One that didn't make it into the game. Uh, I I don't know if I have an answer to that. Any line that I particularly enjoyed, I found a way to put in there. <laughs> Whether it be Easter eggs or the one very well, it's not famous yet. Only one person, to my knowledge, has ever got it. Uh, there is a special line that can play in the Shinra building when you speak to Rufus uh, at the beginning. And he's like, so no, who is stood in front of me? And Cloud's like, Cloud Strife, ex-soldier, first class. And then it goes to Barrett and he's like, Avalanche. And, you know, everybody just kind of goes through who they are. There is a one in 256 chance line that Aerith will say, I sell flowers in the slums, motherfucker. <laughs> um... So yeah, like I, I went pretty far to find a way to get all of the lines I wanted into the game. So I don't really think I have a favorite non-existent one. Um, and for a bit of backstory as to exactly why that line exists, because it's very out of place. It, it definitely does not belong there. But typically, voice actors, when they are recording a long session, you'll just hit the record button and then you'll just talk. All of your outtakes, all of your fuck-ups, all of your blah, blah, blahs are in the recording. And she just happened to have an outtake where she said that. Me and Crane heard it, and we were like, this has to go in the game somehow. It, it just has to. <laughs> Which is actually how most of Ketchy's dialogue got in the game. Because <laughs> he, he is just absolutely incredible at just ad-libbing and going off script. So I, we pretty much just said, do what the hell you want, and I'll change the script to suit whatever the, whatever you did. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Um, I actually did have a question ab about um, the voicing for these because obviously there is the set words uh, in the games, but when it's spoken, you kind of want to change it. Did you guys have to completely rewrite the script for the, the vocal parts? To a degree, yes. Um, so initially, Echo S is built on top of another project called The Reunion which is a fully retranslated script from the original PlayStation 1 Japanese discs and translated to English again, because whoever did it to begin with for Square Enix, uh, C minus. Um, <laughs> terrible job. <laughs> so the whole thing was redone and the story is now very, very... It, it's so much more understandable now. If you haven't played Final Fantasy VII in a long time, even if you're not interested in playing with Echo S for the voice acting, if, if that's just not your thing, I still highly recommend download EchoS, turn off the voices, and just play with the new script. And you will come out of the uh, you'll come out of the game thinking, I didn't know any of that. Like, how, for example, granted, now we have the remake; it answered this question. But until the remake came out, how many of you in chat could safely say that you knew for certain that the voice in Cloud's head was Cloud? Because I, I can pretty much guarantee that 90% of you thought it was Genova, or it was Sephiroth, or it was Zack. But no, it, it, it was Cloud. We knew that from early on. Um, also, just the story of Genova in general is quite 
foggy in the original, like the whole North Cave sequence. There, there's a lot of stuff that you you wouldn't have actually picked up on whatsoever. Even Cloud and the reason that he went to the North Cave and all of this stuff. Uh, I highly recommend playing with Echo S, even if you have to turn off the voices, if that's not your thing. It will absolutely change your experience. Uh, but on top of that, we then did have to do a little bit of changes ourselves because reading lines from a text box compared to if somebody said that exact line to you, sometimes it can sound robotic because it is written in such a way that you're supposed to read it. And if someone said that to you out loud, you'd be like, that just doesn't sound like something that a human being would say. It's like I asked ChatGPT to give me the script and you'd be like, you have to tweak it a little bit to make it feel human, you know? So we have had to do that quite a bit. And at the same time, we allowed our actors to ad-lib from time to time. Nothing that would ever change the way the story is, but if our actors accidentally said a line a certain way, what that tells you is that it felt natural for them to say, as whereas the real line didn't, which automatically makes it more human feeling because they naturally said it without meaning to. So we were always open to the idea of people uh, experimenting with the script a little bit. And um, on, with Sooner Mods today, uh, how many people are actually working with you as part of the Sooner Mods team? Um, as part of the team itself, um, I would probably say around between 30 and 40. Wow. Uh, we all do very vastly different things. Um, for example, you know, um, the Seventh Heaven guys, there are people that specifically work on Seventh Heaven. There are people that specifically work on FFNX, which is the driver that runs the game. Uh, if you play with Seventh Heaven, you're not using whatever Square Enix invented to allow the game to actually display on your screen and to run the code that the game has. We created our own, which is what FFNX is, which is how we were able to add the voice acting. We have a team just dedicated for that and its features. We have our mod creators, um, who, you know, any of the mods that you find in Seventh Heaven that has the Sooner Mods tag at the beginning. If you look at the author tab, you'll find a bunch of different people. Uh, then we have, you know, myself and Crane. We have the Echo S8 team and the Echo S9 team. And then they would be all of the technical people. I would also consider our main cast voice actors to be part of our our, our actual team. Uh, that would probably bump us up to maybe 50. <laughs> um, and then if you wanted to push it further and you said the NPCs were all part of the team too, then you're probably looking at about a thousand. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um, so with the, the modding world as it is today, where would you suggest people go or what software could they learn today if they wanted to start getting into modding themselves um if it came to final fantasy 7 specifically it would be my discord um because one of the things that sooner mods is based around is like i mentioned earlier i didn't like the idea that the the original mod that from modders haven was never going to be shared and blah 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 so i left and created this um but Everything in Sooner Mods is the uh, the idea of everybody working together. No information is being withheld from anybody because believe me, modders everywhere are like, I figured out something cool and that's my information. I will never share it. I will, I will go to my grave and that's it. And I don't, I don't like this. Everything should be open source. We should work together. 
Um, so my Discord specifically for Final Fantasy VII, because people there will teach you. They will share all of their information. Uh, as for other games, I have no idea. <laughs> Outside of just Googling other mods that exist, figure out maybe how to open those ones up, look at a pre-existing mod, work out how that works, and work backwards. It's, I, I've, I found that that's a really good way of understanding how something works, even just the folder structure of what files do what, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, there aren't really any places that are good for just teaching. It, it's a case of just figuring out tiny bits yourself here and there. It was just kind of lucky that Final Fantasy VII was a very well reverse engineered and documented game, and quite a few of the community were willing to share what they had discovered. Uh, but yeah, as, as for other games, I'm really not too sure, unfortunately. So what's the um, the software uh, that you guys use f in general for all of creating the mods? I guess there's so many elements to it. Might be a tough one to answer. <laughs> there are quite a few different ones depending on the uh, the different aspect that you're modding. So say, for example, if you're replacing a 3D model, you'll need something like Blender or um, like Maya 3D, 3ds Max to do the actual 3D model work. Then you have to go through three other different programs because you have to convert it from, um, you have to convert it from like a, a 3DS file or an OBJ file into another type of file and then edit that file to be another type of file and then edit that file to be FF7 specific type of file because it, it's never just this program can convert you from step one to step four there's always been different creators and this this is a product of modders not sharing information you have four different tools to get from point a to point b because the guy that created the first tool didn't talk to the guy that created the second tool and so on and so forth the, if the four of them would have just got together and worked together you'd have had a tool that had one click that went from point a to point b the entire way but people just don't be that way at all um but you end up on a program called Chimera, which is our 3D editing software for 3D models. If you want to edit the script and the code for Final Fantasy VII, you would use a program called Marco Reactor. Typically, they're all named after Final Fantasy stuff. Um, for Final Fantasy IX, I have Hades Workshop. For Final Fantasy VIII, we have uh, Delling. They're, they are the code editors for each of their respective games. Um, there isn't too much outside of that that i use realistically sort of you know audacity for recording voices and stuff like that mm -hmm. um i'm going to ask a question that is uh very very slightly different um off off of course a little bit from the sire he has asked um would you rather fight 100 moogle sized chocobos or one chocobo sized moogle I think I'd prefer to fight a chocobo-sized Moogle. I feel like it just would have less of a chance, to be fair. You know, chocobos, they got beaks. Beaks are sharp. They can peck you. They can also semi-fly. They're pretty fast, you know. They've got a good amount of weight behind them in a fight. I feel like if a Moogle punched you, it, it would be laughable, even if it was the size of a chocobo, you know. <laughs> Very nice. It just wouldn't work. <laughs> um, 
Okay, guys, you are welcome to chuck more questions in if anybody's got any any questions. I know I've got I've still got quite a list to get through here. Um, I'm gonna ask uh, about going back to the voices that you've got for eight and nine so far. Have you had any backlash, or do you get suggestions from chat for what has been recorded so far? Uh, kind of both, yeah. Uh, chat does let me know if something sounds off to them because it, it is very important to get the public's opinion. Um, typically we're, we're not really supposed to care. We just kind of do what we want to do and then put it out. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. I'm sorry, but inevitably we do, we are a community group. We do work with everybody and everybody is invited to come work with us. And we absolutely do take people's opinions pretty seriously. If enough people complain about something, we are listening. <laughs> you know, we will we will make those changes. Uh, but there has also been backlash as well. There are something that I'm going to explain in sort of a unique way. I'm not going to name drop anybody. And it's important that these people exist as well. It, it truly is. If everybody just loved everything we did, then realistically, we wouldn't get better because we wouldn't get told what we could improve on or what things people didn't like. So everything from that point would be the same. Uh, but you'll find there are streamers that enjoy Echo S and you know, their chat will genuinely enjoy Echo S. Then you'll also find streamers that enjoy Echo S, but their chat doesn't, but chat won't say anything because they must agree with the streamer. You know, it's a mob mentality kind of thing. Everybody wants to believe in the same thing and everybody wants to be happy and no controversy and stuff. But then you get the exact opposite as well. You'll find streamers that don't like Echo S and the chat will yell at them. They'll be like, you're, you're being an idiot. What are you talking about? This is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and then you'll find streamers that don't like Echo S and their chat also just agrees with them and will find any excuse to just crap all over it. Um, and there was one particular stream that we found where that was the scenario where absolutely everybody despised just about everything to do with echos and we we sat and we we were watching we spoke from time to time because they didn't have a problem something that i very highly respect is if if you're sat and you're talking crap about echos you're giving your opinion you don't like it you know that's totally fine you're not you're not you don't have to like it chances are if i talk in your stream up and sat there for 10 15 minutes because they're, it's kind of wired into our brains as human beings that if you're talking about something that I did in a negative light and then suddenly I'm in the room with you, you're going to panic and change your opinion. And it's not because you're, you, you have no backbone or anything like that. It's just we're programmed like that as human beings. But finding streamers that dislike what we do and then we can... We can actually speak in their chats as the creators. They know we're the creators and they don't change. They still are happy enough to sit in front of us and tell us the truth about how they feel. It's, I, I very much respect it. And it's definitely something that we can always take into, into consideration properly. Because like I said, if, if people don't tell you that something is wrong, if you are just full of yes men everywhere, your projects will never get better because you don't look to get better. As far as you're aware, everything's perfect already, so why change, you know? But yeah, genuinely, there, there was quite a good bit of backlash. Um, the uh, the articles that were wrote about us didn't exactly help. They, um, instead of just writing that Echo S was what it was, and it was just 
you know, it was it was this big project and there was loads of voices and you should go play it. We put that uh, the, that Easter egg that I mentioned earlier about Tifa swearing. We decided to put that in the trailer because we wanted people to go in knowing that tiny bits of the game had changes and they had Easter eggs because there's nothing worse than false advertising. If we only put in the trailer the exact things that we knew people wanted to see and we didn't let them know that we changed anything, it's false advertising. People would have played up until the second reactor got to that scene and then been like, what the hell? This is, like, why are they doing this? I'm, I'm a purist. I don't want my game to be changed. Then they're more annoyed than they would have been if they just knew ahead of time. But all of the articles decided to write, you know, make sure you play this game with caution because they're swearing everywhere and they've changed the whole script. It's more like a parody. Thanks for that, uh, IGN and everybody else. <laughs> that did not go down well. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, we actually have less swears than the original did. So yeah, it was just, yeah. they did the clickbaity title thing because they knew people would, you know, inevitably that's their job. So whatever. I see. <laughs> I see. Um, I'm, uh, I'm gonna go to the, the channel, the chat channel questions again now. Um, Zessel sent in a question, when the Final Fantasy IX, this is going back to when we were talking about Final Fantasy IX Remake that we're hoping right. for, when this comes out, would you prefer action combat or turn-based, considering how Square Enix is going these days? Okay. So, sort of, sort of along the same veins as Seven. Um, I'm not entirely fussed how ff9 remake comes out because you know it's the same reason i'm creating the ff9 remake that i truly want anyway uh but i personally think that final fantasy 9 would have to be turn-based mm. just because of the type of game that it is the fact that stealing is as essential as it is in final fantasy 9 and the fact that you have four characters uh the skill sets and stuff i don't actually think a fully action-based combat system would work with ff9 especially if they're going to keep steel rates the way they are if you're fighting beatrix who is coded to have 10 turns and then the fight ends regardless of what happened she has a one in 256 chance steal so does hill gigas a little later on except that fight isn't time limited the thought of having action-based combat where you don't get time to think ahead, you can't plan your moves really, and you're stealing for an item that could take you two hours? That's that's not fun. <laughs> There's no way. Granted, they could just change the steal rates or change the way stealing works, but I, I, I really don't think that it would work. It, it would have to be It would have to be turn-based in some way. I mean, I would hope, I would hope that personally. Um, okay, my next question. I'll actually take one from Dino. Dino Bambino in chat uh, said, how did you come across Sooner Skip? And do you think finding the skip helped a lot with your popularity today? That's, that's a good one. Uh, so I actually found the Sooner Skip in the game's code. I could see it before it existed. Uh, the way that works is the program that I mentioned earlier, Marker Reactor, allows you to see the code of the game. And if you open, th there's a window that you can open inside that program that shows you the walk mesh. 
the warp mesh being the ground that Cloud is actually capable of interacting with and he can walk on. Because FF7 is actually, I would, I would say it's like a 2.5D game. It's not actually 3D. You are walking around on 2D pictures, but Cloud is 3D. The battles are 3D, and there is a X, Y, and Z axis, which I, I think 2.5D is the right way to do it. Um, but yeah, because the, the ground is 2D and I could see everything, there are two particular guards in the Sooner Skip. So for anybody who doesn't know what the Sooner Skip is, when you get to Sector 7, there is the pillar. And at the bottom of the pillar, there are two guards stood there. And they talk about, hey, I've got tickets to Loveless. Do you want to go? There's a soft guard and a tough guard, right? And that kind of stuff. And the two of them are stood in the center of the, uh, the, center of the little alleyway that you would leave through. But I noticed on the walk mesh that the gap on the right side was significantly bigger than the gap on the left side and any of the other gaps I've seen blocked off in the game before. I could visibly see that it was bigger than Cloud. And when I initially found it, I actually, I did it in a very, very different way. I had to just brute force it because I'm not a speedrunner and I didn't understand any of the tricks. So I just ran up and down and just face planted into the guard over and over and over again <laughs> until I clipped through him. And it's actually on video. There is, uh, there's a video that was put out. I didn't put it on my channel because my channel is very one track. It's all Final Fantasy VII modding. And I didn't want to taint it with something else. So I, I gave it to another speedrunner who believed me, which I'll get into in a sec, about the, uh, the skip being real. And they uploaded it. And I had to do this because the community was so divided. The skip was ridiculously hard to pull off. And because I already had built a reputation as a modder, it didn't go down very well. Everyone just thought that I was lying. Um, there was only maybe three people that actually believed the Sooner Skip was real in the speedrunning community. And they, they had my back the entire time. And what I ended up having to do was I recorded my screen on OBS. I also set up a camera behind me that could see me and my TV so that there was absolutely no way that any editing tricks could be used between what they were seeing on the screen share and what they were seeing through the camera that was physically behind me, like watching me play the game on the TV. Um, I installed the game from scratch using the discs, played through all of the original game, I didn't use a save file, and then I did it. And then eventually people actually worked out how it was done, and a lot of people apologized to me. But for about three weeks, every speedrunner thought I was just a liar looking for attention. <laughs> so it definitely got me a lot of uh, a, a lot more attention that I wanted. Granted, originally negative, but then became a lot of positive. There are a lot of people that you'll come across that still call it the Sooner Skip, um, which, you know, I just named it because why not? In the speedrunning community, I believe it's more well known as the God Skip because you're not supposed to name a skip after yourself. But kind of fun it's awesome and then i uh i was i i assisted in finding the calm skip after that and because <laughs> my name was attached to it everyone was a, like a straight up like oh this is gonna be good like soon as involved so <laughs> that was pretty cool <laughs> yeah i mean i i do enjoy the speedrunning community and i am aware of these skips and uh yeah they're, I, they're not something i don't put i don't personally do these skips but um uh, they are very helpful for the speedrunners. Speed Absolutely, yeah. 
the, the, the skips that we found so far probably shave like six plus hours off the game or something. It's FF7 is a broken mess. It's hilarious. <laughs> yep, it's very easy to break. Um, okay, continuing on with um, my set questions that I've got. How has technology progression helped or hindered development over the years? Have some processes become a lot easier or quicker to update? I would say so, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so this one's, I guess it's going to be a pretty technical answer here, but say for the, for example, Seventh Heaven itself and FFNX, the, the, the programs that came before this, or in Seventh Heaven's case, just 1.0, the old version, but the driver that came prior to this one as well, Ali's driver, they were written in Visual Basic 6 or VB6, which is basically a dead language at this point, you know, replaced with JavaScript and C Sharp and stuff like that. Um, and they were very limited in what they could do to begin with. But because we were able to find people that were technical enough to be able to rewrite all this stuff, and with you know, computers getting better, we were able to upgrade everything to the point where I can run Final Fantasy VII now with a mod that I'm currently working on named the Cetra Project, where I am importing all of the remakes 3D models into the original game. Um, I know that probably sounds ridiculous, and you would imagine that's that that's just not going to look good. Like, why would you, these 50 to 60,000 polygon, super hyper-realistic models in the original Final Fantasy VII? That, that sounds stupid. I... I could send you a screenshot. I, I could send uh, HBOM a screenshot and she could maybe show you. It's nowhere near as stupid as it sounds on paper, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> but it's it's able to run with over two, 200 plus thousand polygons on one screen in a 1997 game with a real-time lighting engine, because we do have a real-time, we have Cosmos lighting engine, uh, in 60 frames per second, 16 times anti-aliasing running at 4K. And that's doable. With it, it's, it's insanity. The, even just a year ago, you'd have been like, no, this, this is just, just not, a hap this is not happening. You're, you're lying about everything you're talking about. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, fully, it's fully real. It is pretty crazy. Uh, if you yeah, if you have a an image that you want to send over, we can bring it on up. Sire is actually asking: Is there a properly functional sixty FPS mod for Final Fantasy VII now? There is, yes. Uh, so yeah, there is. It's just enabled. It's just called the the sixty FPS mod. It is in Seventh Heaven and downloadable. And everything is free, by the way. Uh, some people misunderstand. Absolutely, every mod that you'll ever find for Final Fantasy VII is completely free. Uh, granted, for me personally, I have a couple that are on my Patreon, but that's just because they're they not ready yet. You know, they're, they're like betas. If you want early, then fine, whatever. But inevitably, when it's finished, it's free, it's released for everybody. Um, but yes, it does have one or two minor problems, um, which I don't know if we'll ever truly get around. Take, for example, the High Wind... Uh, not the high wind, the, the whirlwind maze in the north cave. There's that the, the, those walls that are like flying by and you have to get through them. Otherwise you hit them and then you get a fight. They are exceptionally difficult to get through. 60 FPS isn't actually the cause of this bug. It was an original vanilla bug, but in the vanilla, which ran at 15 frames per second, 
it's the the like um margin of error to encounter this bug was like one in every 15 frames but then because we've interpolated that and we've added four times more frames the game is running four times faster but the field animations don't have four times more frames so now it's pretty much like a quarter of the time it will appear like either the clearing to get through the wall will just never show up and you have to guess or it will look like it's there and you'll hit it instead of actually getting through. So if you do decide to use the 60 FPS mod, I highly recommend turning it off at that point. Uh, probably safe to take the save anywhere mod with you, save it at that point, get through the wall, save it again, then load the mod back up. Because there is no save point for quite a while after that point, and you're going to want the 60 FPS to have all of the Northern Cave story hitting you. So if you make the if you use the save anywhere mod, it is safe to save on that screen. I've tested it a bunch of times um, because there are quite a lot of screens that are not safe to save with the save anywhere mod. And if people are interested in exactly why that is the case, I can explain it. Fully functional, it is working. It is fantastic. I highly, highly recommend playing with it. Well, there you go, sire. You you you'll have to. You say you're considering a playthrough. Give it a good old go. Okay, so something that I've been working with recently with uh, the 3D models in particular. This is this is a new thing. So I've, we've been able to import the models for quite a while, but now with the, the real-time lighting engine that we have and the fact that it can actually, the game can run with a real-time lighting engine and the super high-poly models, this is something that I haven't been able to play with all that much yet. So this is kind of a work-in-progress screenshot. But for anyone that is unaware how game development kind of works with textures and stuff, there's different type of textures for your models. Typically, if you look at a wall in a video game or the floor, it is fully flat. It is fully 2D, but you can't tell because it uses things like a specular map, a metallic map, and a normal map. And what they do is a normal map will give the illusion that it is 3D by changing the way that light reacts to it. So it will only bounce off if your camera is at a certain angle. So like if you're, if you're looking at a brick wall because you know how brick walls have the like lines between them to separate all the bricks and stuff if you look at that face on it would look 2d but if you come slightly down and look up at it you'll see the groove because the way that the light bounces off yeah it's a yeah they are also called bump maps so you're, you'd be right there tomorrow boris and then specular maps and like ambient occlusion and stuff like that affects how shading works so if you don't have an AO map, you will have absolutely no shading anywhere. But if you do have one, you'll start to get shading like under your chin where light is supposed to be a bit dimmer and stuff like that. So I've been working with that with my cloud model. Uh, I sent you a screenshot just yeah. there now, HBOM. Um, the left one is the fully basic one. The middle one is with the lighting engine turned on with no extra maps. And then the one on the right is with the new maps. And you'll notice that the one on the right in particular, when you see it, the pauldron on cloud shoulder is actually reflective. That isn't just a texture making it look this way. This is real time in the game. His, his pauldron is actually reflecting that light based okay. on where the light source is actually positioned in the video game. So sorry, could you just explain that again to me, just these three, uh, just because I was busy fiddling around with this picture. <laughs> Yeah, no problem. So the, the left side, the basic side, is just the 3D model in FF7 with no lighting, no nothing, no extra features. Um, the reason that it actually looks as good as it does 
and it, it does look like 3D and, you know, everything does look really high quality. It's because of a special technique that I use where um, at the time, FF7 couldn't use the the PBR textures for the, the normal map to make it look 3D and the specular and all that stuff. We didn't have that ability. So what I had to do was I would do something called baking, where I bake all of the textures into one texture and my 3D program would generate how it looked in real time. And then I used that texture. So there, everything on that first texture on the left is fake. Um, <laughs> the creases that you see in Cloud's jumper, the, the lines that go down, that is fully 2D. That is all flat. And you can kind of tell, right? The lighting version is just the exact same model, but with an actual light source placed into the 3D scene. And then the one on the right has the normal maps, the specular, and everything. And in the one on the right, the jumper is also flat. But it doesn't look flat. If you look at how the light is reflecting off of the different threads in his jumper, it's exactly the same model, but it actually looks like he has the individual threads on his jumper because you can see the light is sort of... It's not too strong. It's not reflecting much because it's probably made of wool or something. Whereas the pauldron is made of metal and it's quite shiny and it's actually reflecting quite a bit of light. So Tomato has just asked, would you try and re uh, would you try and generate the AO maps from the scenery despite not having the OG synergy for the pre-rendered background? Uh, so it would be a little tough just because the um, the textures can't <laughs> really change depending on what screen you're on. Well, they can. But if I had a 2K set of different maps for just cloud, for every individual screen based on where the lighting source is, you're probably looking at maybe a 500 meg mod for just cloud at that point. <laughs> so it's, it's typically best for me to... What I've done is the... I don't have to worry too much about where the light is coming from. Because the way that I bake the textures to begin with is you use something called a HDR, uh, which is not your high dynamic, range, high dynamic range monitors that you're using. Uh, it's something different. It's a 3D, 360 degree photo, like a panoramic photo of an area. And your 3D software, when, it's, when it uses that, it can use that as lighting data. So if you give it a 360 degree photo of... Um, just being indoors and your light is tinted slightly orange, then you'll actually have slightly orange shading on you. The reflections will have that kind of thing and blah, blah, blah. And the HDR that I used was a middle of a cornfield so that absolutely no buildings would ever like make an effect on the shadows. It was a clear day, so there is like no clouds in the sky and the light is coming from all 360 degrees. So... What's nice about this is that it counteracts itself in a way, because you'd think if the light came from a full 360 degrees, then you wouldn't get shading anywhere because you're lit literally everywhere. It'd be like standing in a sphere of light, but then you also have the light above you and the light above you is set to be stronger than the light everywhere else. So you do still get the shading under your chin or if you like inside your armpit and down like the inside of your arm, the shading will never live change in the game because it's pre-baked. Um, it's sort of semi-can. You'll notice in the picture that Cloud actually has a shadow on the floor. Um, it's around his ankles because I haven't done the, the, the animation yet to tell him where the ground is. Um, 
But he does have a live animated texture shadow that will move around with you, even in fights, which is really nice. But it would kind of be like an LUT, but it's going to be... It, it's not color grading per se, it's simulating like actual light sources. It's it's pretty hard to explain. The best thing that I could do, honestly, um, is like if if people come visit me on my stream at some point and ask me these things, I would be happy enough to show these things. It would be so much easier with a video. <laughs> Finding ways to explain these things properly is a very, very difficult task. <laughs> I'll go on to the the next thing, actually. So talking about the mod community as a whole, um, you've sort of mentioned how back in the day it used to be a little bit closed doors and you had to break yourself into them. What about, what are the, How have they progressed over the years, the whole mod community? Do you feel like they've opened up a lot more now? And are there any modders that you would like to shout out um, and what they have done for the Final Fantasy title series? Yeah, um, I actually think that the modding scene has took a full 180 degree turn. Um, I don't really like the idea of saying out loud to people that I could potentially be the reason that happened. Uh, but I'm fairly sure that I am the reason that this happened. Mainly because... Um, again, coming back to that thing I said earlier about Modder's Haven, the closed community, people didn't want to share, and etc. Theirs was understandable. I, I, I got that. They were afraid of the legal ramifications. It could quite literally have got sued and it could have ruined their lives. I understand that part. But before Pseudomods existed, we had the Quim Farms, which a lot of you are probably aware of if you've ever looked for FF7 mods. And the reason I didn't just get more involved with Quim instead of making my own, because, you know, that would have been easier, to be fair. That, that would have been a lot easier on me. Was that all of the modders at the time when I started were very all for one instead of one for all. In that if somebody made a really good music mod, instead of somebody else who also had skills in music being like, yo, uh, we should work together because I, I've listened to your mixes and you're exceptionally good at this particular part, but I think you're your bases are a little low or the tempo changes or whatever, because, you know, people be professionals in different, different ways of the same thing. And instead of people wanting to work together, second guy would just be like, oh, their thing was pile of crap. I'm just going to go make my own. And everything was always competition, competition, competition. Nobody would ever share what they learned. If somebody, if somebody made a difficulty mod, Instead of somebody else being like, hey, I really like your difficulty mod. I think it could do with a couple of extra features. Even if, instead of just saying to them like, can I work with you and we'll update your mod together if you like my ideas. A lot of the time people are open to the idea now of, can I use your mod as a base, make my changes and name it, you know, we'll say new threat, for example. We'll name it new thread something edition. It'll always be credited that it is Sega Chief. But and then it'll say, but with edits by etc. Even that was not a thing that people would do in the past. If you even touched somebody else's mod, you wanted to make any changes, nope, you had to learn the entire thing, start from scratch, create the whole thing yourself. And I hated this. And especially with with myself, I am a little bit of um, a little bit of a jack of all trades when it comes to FF7 modding. I know who to how to 
loop songs and inject them. I know what to name them. I can code the game. I know how to do the 3D models and sound effects. I've got a little bit of knowledge in a lot of places. And that's because I've had to learn that myself. So many times I would ask a question on the Quim Farms and either no one would, would reply or you would get rude people replying. They were just like, go work it out yourself. Like, I I'm not sharing that info with you. Why would I do that? So I thought, no, screw this. I'm going to make Suna mods. I'm going to find the talented modders that are around that aren't just these people that don't want to share all their information. And Suna mods is going to become a team of people. It isn't just a, a forum that has a collection of people that are talented in the same thing. Cinemods is a team of modders that actively work together. And I think that's what makes us thrive so much. Personally, I think we thrive so much more than Quim. I'm supposed to think that. You know, it might not be true. Who knows? But all of our team work together to make the absolute best stuff. And it's it's just, it's it's so much better because you put three heads together, you're going to come up with something better than one, you know? And things get done 10 times faster. Because somebody can just drop off for a little bit and somebody else can take over because we know. Like this lighting system, for example, is a great it's it's a great pointer. It's part of FFNX. True Odin is the person that created FFNX. But if if if, if True Odin was in the chat right now, he would be like, hey, make sure you talk about everyone. Like True Odin is the person that did create FFNX from scratch. But then as time went by and people started to come into Sunomods. Cosmos joined, and he created a lighting engine. And um, there's Vertex and Cosmos work together to allow 60 FPS to work. They just came and took FFNX, added their own little section to it, and then gave it back to Odin and said, there you go. And Odin's just like, what? How did you do this? You know, and now we're all benefiting so much more from it. It's just so much better to work as a team. And, yeah. you know, without the FFNX team in particular, we wouldn't have most of the stuff that we have now. But just about anybody that is in the Sunamods team deserves the shout out. You know, Crane for directing all of Echo S the, the whole time, putting up with the stress of everything. Because Crane, Crane has been in the business a long time of voice acting and dubbing things, but he's never done it like publicly where people can voice their opinion to your face. You know, it's one thing leaving a comment on a YouTube video, being like, ooh, you suck. You're just like, okay, cool. <laughs> but if somebody's in your Twitch chat and people are talking directly to you in real time and you can't pretend it doesn't exist or ignore it, you know, you've got to, you have to face that. And then you have to work with people you don't know. And it's an entirely different experience. Um, so it was awesome that Crane was able to go through all that and come out the other side totally fine. There's people like Uprisen, who's been with me since day one. I'm like, pretty much. Uprison's the reason I'm a streamer to begin with. He was like, the stuff you do is kind of cool. It's super, super unique and super niche. People enjoy niche stuff on Twitch. Like, you should become a Twitch streamer. Now it's my job. So, <laughs> thanks for that, Risen. <laughs> and at the same time, Risen went through a huge learning curve of learning how to mod FF7 with me. So, that's really, it was really, really cool. Um, and then just, I would be sat listing people forever. Just literally anybody that's in my Discord server that has an orange name. They, they deserve all the love. They all have their own projects that they spent so much time working on. They all deserve their names to be shouted out, but we, we would be sat here for ages. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned Crane, though. Crane actually did put a question in earlier. Uh, what's the next Final Fantasy you're going to work on after 8 and 9? Like, by hook or by crook, is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so 
Um, we get asked a lot about what games we're going to voice next. And we also get asked a lot, like, which games are we willing to voice next? And both me and Crane are under the same mindset here of asking if we're willing to voice games is the wrong mindset. We will voice any game. It just has to be possible. Now, like I explained with FF7 earlier too, the only reason Final Fantasy VII can be voiced is because of FFNX. And that didn't always exist. Somebody had to go out of their way to make that. The only reason that Final Fantasy VIII can be voiced is FFNX again. Final Fantasy IX is the Memoria engine. This is the problem that we have. Video games that does not have voice acting in them were not created originally to accept voice acting. So we have to find people that are talented and willing enough to pretty much create the engine from scratch to allow voice acting to exist. If somebody does that for a game, we will voice that game. We can't promise we'll do it in any particular order that you would be satisfied with, but if it's doable, we'll do it. You know how often I get asked, um, are you going to do Legend of Dragoon? All the time people are like, please, please, God, you've got to voice Legend of Dragoon. And uh, we say all the time, right? Legend of Dragoon, it's a PlayStation game. It's already basically impossible, unfortunately. Because it, it, PlayStation games, you know, they're, they're limited. If, if they PC remaster it, I can guarantee you within six months of it being PC remastered, we will find somebody that wants a voice mod so, so much for that game that they will go and do it. They will allow the ability and we will do it. Um, but as for Final Fantasy in particular, um, as we know, everything after nine is already voiced. Um, and I personally have not played anything below seven, but I hear that five and six are both bangers. So that's most likely where I would want to start. It would also be my first playthrough of 5 and 6 with Echo S, which would be an interesting experience too. Um, and then we would probably work down, do the pistol, uh, pixel remasters, you know? Yeah, I mean, kind of fun. 6 would be amazing. Everybody's asking for 6 to be uh, remade now that they're remaking games anyway. Um, if you were to voice six, wow, the world would go crazy. Um, I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that kind of does answer a question that Goose also asked, because Goose also said, um, any other old RPG franchises that you want to voice mod, such as Xenogears, for example, are the ones that yeah. you want to mod, but you just, you have no access to? Yeah. Um, so this does tie in with another thing I mentioned earlier that I haven't actually played all that many games. Uh, so yeah, believe it or not, the likes of Chrono Trigger, Legend of Dragoon, Zelda, like all the games that you're all like, nah, he's not about to say it. Yeah, no, I, I never played any of these games, but I am aware of how damn cool they are. Everybody is always talking about them. If it was possible to voice the Chrono series, we would do it. If we could do like all of the Zelda series, we would do it. If we could do Legend of Dragoon, we would do, we would do all of the classics because it's kind of what we do now it's 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 really fun because this isn't something that crane would ever have considered doing i think originally he was more you know fan dubs we, we make youtube videos and now we're able to make things that we put out into the world that will live forever and people can use and interact and play with and now that's we're, we're kind of just stuck together now because you know crane wasn't a part of Sunamods originally crane is crane owns studio still which is a studio of voice actors and that was what they did 
And then I emailed Crane to come and play Barrett for me. And one thing led to another. And now he's stuck with me forever because our names are just tied together and we both enjoy doing this. So we are going to do as many games as we possibly can. As many games as time will allow us. Which, you know, it's, it's going to be so cool. Um, my next question is, um, what is, what has been the most difficult part of the modding process at, like, out of all of the mods that you've ever had your hands on and the biggest thing that you have personally learned from modding so far? So I'm going to start the other way around. Uh, the biggest thing I've learned is definitely patience. I know that that's something that every human being learns at some point, but I feel like in our journey with EchoS, it's a different type of patience. It, it's an entirely different version. There is one thing standing in line in England when the Queen died for 24 hours. That's a different type of patience to, to, to this, you know? <laughs> Being able to stick with something for this long is ridiculous I, I i keep saying the word ridiculous I, I don't have a better word for it but as you mentioned earlier i worked on final fantasy 7 for seven years pretty much to the day in fact and being able to not quit during that length of time i think that's a skill in itself that kind of patience and i i really treasure that we were able to do that because I think that just the fact that we finished a project gives us that huge reputation boost. Even if people didn't like the way that Echo S7 sounded, and then we put out a trailer for Echo S8 or 9, they'd be like, even if I don't necessarily like the voices like or whichever, I know this is going to exist. I've got faith that this, this will exist because we've they've done it once, and it took seven years. If they can do that, they'll do it again, kind of. It's, it's just this reputation that you build up. Um, but the thing that made it the most difficult, uh, this is such a stupid answer, but because we, we, we invented it in our heads, but it's the sevening. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easily the sevening. And I, here's a prime example of exactly this. There is... Um, I won't say too much due to conflict of interest because this is a podcast. This is your podcast. But I was on something um, quite a long time ago and we announced, this was quite new, um, new to Echo 7 when me and Crane found each other and we started working. Because when I found Crane uh, and I asked Crane to be the director, he recast everyone. He was like, we're starting again. We're recasting everyone. We're rewriting the script a little bit and we are starting the whole project from scratch. At that point, that was about two years before Echo S7's full release. So whilst I was working on FF7 for seven years, technically it took seven years from new game to end game if we would have just started there, which is also why 8 and 9 are not going to take anywhere near as long. Um, but during this, uh, this event that we did, we announced the demo for Final Fantasy VII, which was the entirety of Midgar. This was the first public thing that we had done. Three days before we went live to do this, every piece of progress we had made for the last month off of everybody's system suddenly stopped existing. Um, and, uh, and my hard drive died, actually. Yeah, my, my hard drive in the computer fully died and nobody had a backup. They just didn't exist anywhere. 
And we had three days left to redo a month's worth of work because we had already told the people that we were uh, doing this event with that this was the plan. We had told them ahead of time, Echo 7 has a demo. We're going to announce it at your thing. And they had put out all of their uh, promotional stuff on Twitter and YouTube and everywhere saying huge Echo S news. And, you know, they, they teased a little bit and stuff. And we were just like, uh, oh my God, what do we do now? And I think there were, there were five of us that sat in a voice call, pretty much did not sleep for three days. We all worked together to do a month's worth of work in three days. Uh, that was, that, that's a memory I won't be missing anytime soon. I know that Uprison was there with me and Crane was there with me. Uh, our voice actor for Vincent was there just for moral support. <laughs> he was actually on like a seven hour drive one of the days across America. And he was just like, you know what? I'm doing nothing anyway. So you guys can entertain me while I'm driving and I'll keep you sane. <laughs> That's very nice. <laughs> but yeah, just the sevening. It's the unexplainable event where progress that you had made just suddenly stops existing. And even when, even if this happens in Final Fantasy VIII and IX, it is still called the Sevening. We don't really know why, it just is. It's not the Eightening or the Nining. Nine inning. <laughs> it will forever be the Sevening. Um, well, going from experiences such as the Sevening occurring to you, um, over the years, you have had some great experiences from your modding career. What has been your biggest highlight so far in all of your work? Hmm. Okay. Uh, so again, it would be a multi-part answer for me because I would have more than one answer for different reasons. I I definitely the the clip that you showed on stream earlier when we got to the end when I got to the end of the game for the first time ever during that stream. Not only did I break my stream record, which is a huge personal goal for me to begin with, but I was overwhelmed with happiness, the adrenaline dump, just everything. Um, I, I cried during that stream after the credits finished. Um, I was I was absolutely bawling my eyes out. Um, what entertains me the most about that as well is in that particular video, you only get one one side of that story. Because Crane was also live that whole time. And me and Crane are very, very different people. <laughs> Because I was there literally crying, saying, we finally got to the end. It's done. I'm so happy. I'm so proud. And I told Crane that he came out of nowhere and he helped me, you know, achieve my dreams. You know, I was, I was doing all that, doing all that stuff. But then you flick over to Crane's channel and it's just like, oh, we have so much work left to do. I, I just, I can't, I can't be happy yet. I'm still not happy with the mod. Like, I've, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. It just wasn't sentimental at all, <laughs> which I found hilarious. <laughs> I thought that was so, so funny. Um, but for emotion, that is definitely my highest one. Uh, definitely for a sense of pride as well in such a way that people that had been following the project for years, even people that had followed me when I first became a streamer and then dipped for like four years and never came back again, names popped back up again during that stream that I hadn't seen in forever. Everyone decided to come back and, as a community, celebrate that day, which felt amazing. Um, there was also another time where a news company called Inverse reached out to me for an interview about the 60 frames per second mod when that came out. Not really too big of a deal, realistically, 
But to me, the fact that an actual news reporter that had a big, like worked for a big company, reached out to me to put me in the news, that was pretty surreal for me as well. Um, and then another part, another part that was just absolutely incredible for me was when we cast Final Fantasy VII with Crane. Because I had no voice acting experience, and I'd never directed anything, and I had no direct attachment to any voice actors at all. I just put up a, a thing on castingcoreclub.com. Whoever I thought was the closest sounding to the voice actors from FF7's Advent Children movie, I picked. Even if they couldn't act, but I couldn't tell they couldn't act because I didn't have an experience there. And then when Crane came in and recast everyone, and he was like, there you go, Suna. That's our new cast. And I heard them. The talent levels were through the roof. The They were all super nice people who just accepted the fact that I feel like from their point of view, it potentially looked like they were all coming to work for me, which wasn't the case, but I could absolutely see if some of them thought it looked that way. And they were all acceptance. They were all super nice people. The quality was astounding. And that Crane was willing to just jump on this project with me for free. You know, all of these different things were highlights of my career for different reasons. And I know you asked for one and I'm cheating, but. <laughs> That's <laughs> <you know>. OK. <laughs> no, they're wonderful moments to know about. Um, I, I want to bring up Square Enix as a company. And uh, have you had any experiences or have, have they reacted to any of your updates over the years? And is there any part of the modding process that you have to tread carefully with? So there is there is a little bit of a story with stuff. Um, before I started EchoS, I did reach out to somebody in Square Enix in a very unorthodox way. Uh, Square Enix has their own Twitch channel that they go live on from time to time. Um, I I'd, I'd never bother watching it, but when I came up with the idea for EchoS, I wanted to absolutely make certain that I wasn't going to put years worth of work into something just for them to shut me down afterwards. Um, and to be fair, if they did, I would have just done it in secret anyway. Uh, it's fine to say because I did get permission. <laughs> uh, I went to their Twitch channel and I asked one of their moderators if there was any way I could DM with any of them at all because I knew that they were employed by Square Enix or had connections with Square Enix in some way, shape, or form. I mentioned it to this person that I was a modder of the scene. Uh, I was in the modding scene for FF7 and that I would really like to be able to talk to somebody that had any form of connection with their legal department or the IP and how this sort of stuff would work. They got my email address and I did start talking to somebody and they said to me that as long as we don't sell the mod in any capacity, we are fully free to do whatever we like. Which was a really nice like a boost in confidence to be able to actually do this stuff to be acknowledged i haven't spoke to anybody since and you know we're talking seven years ago at this point but um i was a little concerned at first when the remake became a thing that they would potentially attack us just in case we infringed on sales of the remake or whatever when in fact i'm pretty sure we have sold Final Fantasy VII to a substantial amount of people. I found so many people playing Echo, uh, Echo S7, but it's their Final Fantasy VII first playthrough ever 
because they refused to play it until Echo Esque was a thing because they didn't want to read or they're in the previous or they're in the newer generation and they're not as used to reading in video games or the graphics are lackluster to them or just sign of the times. Um, so we, we've definitely made Square Enix a good bit of money. <laughs> um, but other things, there, there's a very interesting story that I can tell. I cannot name anybody here. I would get them in trouble. But we have been acknowledged by quite a few of the voice actors that are in the FF7 remake. Uh, one negative and a bunch positive. But I was in a phone call with one of them in particular. Um, big voice actor in the remake. We're not talking just random NPCs here. Uh, big name that you would absolutely recognize if I was allowed to say this. But when I was on call with them, they had stated that if they had found Sunamods before they found Square Enix, they would have actually joined us instead. And that they really wanted to stream Echo S and just tweet about it, make videos and talk about it, but they legally can't because of a conflict of interest contract they have with Square Enix. <laughs> and whenever they said that to me, I, I about exploded. <laughs> because that's kind of surreal, you know, like... Uh, uh, we are a team that voice acted the original Final Fantasy VII, and then I find a voice actor in the real Final Fantasy VII remake that pretty much said I'd have preferred to work with you. And I'm just like, what? What What alternate universe did I just fall into? What is, what is happening here, you know? That's amazing. That's so wild. I mean, that's, that's like, that's up there. That's one of those really big moments. That's so cool. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, Zessel's just crazy. asked, do you think people from Square Enix have tried your mods? And if so, how does that make you feel? I mean, that's quite similar to what you just said. I do. Mm. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I know for a fact. There was one day in particular. Now, Square Enix likes to pretend that we don't exist. And I think... That's probably due to legal reasons. You know, whoever owns their Twitter or whoever owns their official Twitch account, like whoever runs it and whatever. I don't think they're legally allowed to mention us or talk about us because they take... I don't know how conflict of interest contracts really work. Realistically, if if the Square Enix Twitch channel went live and they were playing Echo S, people are just going to go play Final Fantasy VII. So they're inadvertently just advertising themselves. But I, I just don't think they're allowed to do that kind of thing. Mm. But there was there was one day in particular where I was watching a friend of mine. Uh, he was playing Echo S and Square Enix was in his chat. They were talking in his chat and they followed him. And everybody in chat was already like, okay, this is interesting. How often is Square Enix just going to pop out of nowhere? And I don't want to downplay this particular person, uh, the, the streamer in question um you know they're absolutely great streamer they're currently still on the unfortunate side of trying to gain viewers now if i'd have told you this person had a thousand viewers and square enix turned up in their chat you'd have been like oh okay you know not that big of a deal now why wouldn't they turn up to a thousand viewer streamer we're talking about a streamer that typically averages between you know maybe four and eight you know now if you think square enix popped up in this person's chat and followed them and everything it means a little more now, right? Like, I, I'm not, like, insulting this person. It's just the way Twitch is. It kind of sucks that way. But the fact that they turned up there, and he was playing Echo S, which was very interesting. 
And then after this particular stream, they also ignored me in chat the entire time, by the way. It, it didn't matter what I said to them, even if it wasn't about Echo OS, they ignored my existence entirely and spoke to everybody else. Um, but then they finished the stream and they raided some random person that I had never met before. And I thought, okay, cool. Uh, I'm leaving the, I'm going to leave the stream because I have no interest in being here. And I went to watch one of our voice actors. And then Square Enix popped up in their chat. And I thought, okay, this is a little strange. I don't know what's going on here because the raid was not to this person. There was no connection between these two streams. They were following me that day. <laughs> they were going around our voice actors. They were going around people playing Echo S. Other people had told me that, Echo, that Square Enix had turned up in their chats that day. But these are just two that I happened to witness within the space of an hour. So whoever runs the Square Enix Twitch account, they know. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they've played it. They just can't say anything. Hmm. <laughs> Very interesting. Blues has just said, I check under my bed for Square Enix every night. That's, that's a good thing to do. That's safe. Um, okay, I'm going to read some... Uh, I'm gonna, I love that gossip. I'm going to read some of the questions that chat have asked. Now's your final warning, guys. We're rounding up, so get your questions in if you haven't already. Um, uh, Volikar... Sorry, it was an hour ago. Volokar did ask the question, who is your favorite Final Fantasy villain? My favorite villain? Hmm. Would probably be Sephiroth. Hmm. It's, it's, there's just so much, there's so much to Sephiroth. And I, th I think like something that I explained a little earlier about, you know, if you if you play FF7 with Echo S, you'll pick up a bit more on the story than you, that, that you would have originally got i really do enjoy sephiroth's story i feel like a, a lot of the times there is a genuine reason that you as a human being can connect with the villain and be like you know what i understand why you're a bad guy sephiroth most certainly has that and not only is he a fan favorite everywhere they absolutely nailed the way in making him look like the strongest being on the planet. Something you should be afraid of. Because I find typically when you play video games now, the last boss isn't terrifying. They're not scary. But when you played FF7 for the first time, especially if you were like eight years old or something, and you got to the flashback, and then he like crits this dragon for three and a half thousand damage, and there's you being like, eh, seven. You know, <laughs> you, you kind of, you get it. <laughs> Um, but the, the the backstory for him, especially with it being expanded as much as it is with Crisis Core and stuff too, because you don't typically get that. You know, I, I do really enjoy Kuja from FF9. I also think he is a semi-understandable villain. Granted, he's kind of just a bit of a jealous crybaby, but to a degree. But you don't get that much. You know, he, he's kind mm -hmm. of a one-trick thing. It's like, oh, you were meant to be this, it didn't happen, and oh, wow, 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 I go cry. FF8, uh, I, FF8 confuses me to begin with. I, I don't really have <laughs> much with that. Um, FF10 as well, though. Uh, but not Yu Yevon. I know Yu Yevon is technically the final boss in 10. If you consider Ject to be the, the final boss in 10, fantastic final boss. I thought that was amazing villain uh, villain and final boss i guess I've, I've been kind of using them as the same term they are not the same term but 
yeah, it would definitely be Sephiroth. He's, he's just so flushed out, such an amazing character. He sounds unreal. Even guys would sleep with him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> What's there not to like, right? <laughs> Um, I think Up Prison put a question in just to rile you because he's written sooner. Why is Final Fantasy VIII clearly better than nine? Yeah, Up Prison is the head of the Final Fantasy VIII FF uh, EchoS team. I'm the head of the FF9 EchoS team, so we do have a bit of a race slash competition going on as to see who is going to finish first. <laughs> ah. Just for motivational purposes, at this point in time, I think eight will finish first, but FF9 is going to be better. So. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> We have more features, so. <laughs> oh man, Chocobo hot and cold. Sorry, yeah. So, um, Zessel said, will we ever get Echo S7 for new threat? Probably not, unfortunately. Um, in order for us to create new threat Echo S, we quite literally just have to start again. We have, we have to do the whole thing again. It would actually be easier for Sega Chief to recreate New Threat on top of Echo S. Far easier, in fact. Uh, as of right now, I think the only way Echo S could ever exist with New Threat is either that somebody else with the know-how comes by and says, hey, send me everything and I'll combine them for you. Or if we run out of projects to do, that would become my new project. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, we would have to fully start again because if I put this in layman's terms, every screen in Final Fantasy VII has text boxes, as we know, and they all have different text. And the way that the game differentiates that text is they assign it ID numbers. So the second screen in the game, you walk up to Biggs as Cloud and he says, uh, wow, a soldier, eh? Didn't expect to have you know see one of you in avalanche that text id specifically is text id one and then your know, cloud would say like not interested is text id two and then you know but when this job's over i'm i'm out of here text id three whatever now when we name those files i have to cut out that line put it into a folder named for in this example it is md1 underscore one which is midgar sector one screen one uh <laughs> that is what that screen is named and then the file of the voice would be named three and that would be the voice line now in new threat or not only is all the dialogue different but every single text box will have a different id number which would mean the whole thing would need to be redone i would have to retype their entire script or get all my voice actors to revoice the whole game into new threat script and then also redo all of the id numbers and that took me two years to make to begin with, so <laughs> it's it's just not going to happen, unfortunately. There you go, Zessel. But you can keep playing both separately and equally. Yes. Um, something that might harp, like, sort of meet you in the middle here. There is somebody in our Discord that uh, modified EchoS in such a way that you can have the battle voices and play New Threat at the same time, if that helps. So, you know, when you cast fire, Cloud will shout fire and whatever, you know, just all nice. the battle stuff. So you can have that portion at least. <laughs> there you go. Go go in the Discord and grab that, says. Um, my Volikar has also asked, is there a particular scene, story, or battle in Final Fantasy VII that fully comes to life with Echo S7? Hmm. So there aren't too many fights realistically that have active dialogue inside them 
There is the guard scorpion fight, which is kind of meh. We did fix the text, by the way. Don't attack while its tail is up. Um, <laughs> there is, I think, Reno's first fight when he's pyramiding you. There's maybe two lines. Not really that great. Um, the one that probably gives you the most feels is most likely Hojo on the cannon. Just because, granted, there's still, again, there's only like two lines. It's not that big of a deal. But you beat the first phase of Hojo. And imagine doing this for the, the first playthrough ever, right? You don't know that Hojo's injected himself with Genova cells and that he's about to change form. And the voice that he has, like Crane voiced uh, Hojo, he, he's already super creepy sounding. It sounds exactly like the remake. It's incredible. Um and then mid-fight, you've done some damage. The ATB stops. You're like, oh, what's going on here? The camera pans around. He starts manically laughing at you, then has a little bit of a pain sound, and then starts transforming. And he's just like, let me see how the Mako juices are transforming me, kind of whatever the, the line is. And then suddenly he's a monster. It's probably not that big of a thing for you if you're playing it, knowing that you know, you've, you've played the game 20 times. But to a new player, I can only imagine how that moment feels. Um, but then uh, another bonus one, I guess, for entirely different reasons, because there's no actual dialogue in this fight, but we did something special. And I don't think anybody has done yet. Uh, well, people that have played Echo S have done this fight, but they haven't done the thing. Is that the final Safer Sephiroth battle, it is coded in such a way where the supernova animation, which we all know takes like three minutes, it has voice acting. And it definitely helps pass the three minutes, but there are three pieces to it. And you will only hear the entire story if you get supernovaed three times. And I haven't seen anybody go through that effort yet. Because surviving that long can be tough in itself, let alone getting supernovaed three times to begin with. Uh, but the, uh, the parts of the story that we tell during that animation is played sequentially. So you'll always get the full picture. It's it's really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. And as Zessel's just said, another challenge accepted. You've actually given us so many reasons to play the game several times <laughs> tonight, which is yeah. great. <laughs> um, there, there's, there's more to come too. Uh, Echo S7 is not finished um, by all means. And I don't just mean, yes, there's a couple of bugs, whatever, but it's not finished because the the next thing that I want to do, it's kind of a side hobby right now because I am focused on FF9 at the moment. But if you've ever heard of the On the Way to a Smile series, the books, they are canon that Square Enix created. Um, I am actually coding those books into the end of Final Fantasy VII. Because that is where they take place. They take place between the end of the game and the start of the movie. And I am coding all of those stories into play after the credits finish. So you will have a post-credits experience. And a lot of people have never read them books, so they don't know the story. It is fully canon. And nobody's really going to be expecting it if they don't know about it. So when that update comes out, however far in the future from now, it'll be very much worth a play because that will be like playing Final Fantasy VII for the first time again if you haven't read those books. So That's amazing. Yeah. That's going to be so cool. I mean, I was about to ask as well. Um, you've already gone through a whole list of mods that are available on your website on Sunamods.com uh, earlier. Are there any that um, are upcoming, any that are that you did not mention earlier that you'd like to mention now? 
Uh, give me a sec. There's a couple, but I have to work out which ones I'm allowed to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I already sort of uh, dropped the hint about the new mod manager that's coming at some point mm. for FF7, 8, and 9. I don't know if this other uh, this other mod has been mentioned yet, but it's so close to completion at this point that I don't think it matters. But one of the features that we have now in FFNX, and we've had for a little while now, is the widescreen, right? We can actually play in 16 by 9 widescreen, and it is not stretch. And that's great. But it does have the minor downside that the game was never intended to be in 16 by 9. So a lot of the screens were drawn in the 4 by 3 aspect ratio. So you can go from screen to screen and you'll be in a 4 by 3 then maybe a 16 by 9 because the screen is big enough that when you're running around as cloud, it will scroll horizontally. So they fit the screen fine. But it can be slightly jarring from time to time when you're going from 4 by 3 to 16 by 9 and back again. And we tried to find a way to fix this problem. And as much as, uh, well, I, I, I fight AI all the time, but I also love AI. It really depends where it's implemented. If you're cloning AI voices, shame on you. Don't do that. That's bad. But if you're using AI for like this kind of thing that I'm about to mention, because I, I don't condone the art stuff either, but in this particular instance, I'm okay with this. And I think you'll, you'll agree with me. Um, the 4x3 versions of the backgrounds that are in Final Fantasy VII, we have been very slowly over the course of maybe a year now, been running them through an AI to AI generate the left and right sides of what that image would look like so that it turns it from a 4x3 image into a 16x9 image. Because there was no way in hell that anybody was going to sit and actually redraw it. And if they were going to, the odds of them matching the art style perfectly is slim to none. And the original artist was never going to do it either, which is why I'm okay with AI in this scenario. Um, that mod is going to be incredible. I feel like it's going to be extremely underrated. You'll use it one time, you'll play it for 45 minutes, and then you'll forget that you have it. And until you turn it off again, you'll be like, oh my god, I, I need this mod every time I play this game now. Kind of like if you've played with Echo S and Cosmo Memory, like I mentioned earlier, you will very quickly realize just how quiet Final Fantasy VII is without those two mods. It's, it's the same kind of feeling. Um... That is the only sort of big one that I can think of. Now, granted, there's the Setra project, um, currently only available on Patreon just because I haven't finished it yet. I'm not going to put out a, a buggy 30% finished mess, you know, because that's my reputation attached to that thing. But you can get it early, of, uh, early via Patreon if you would choose to. Um, and, you know, soon to have all the PBR textures and they have dynamic weapons. Uh, what that means is... Whenever you are walking around on any screen, Cloud's sword, for example, will display on his back. And if you change weapons, then so will the sword on your back. So you will always see exactly what weapon you have equipped. And I will do this for every character, uh, which is just a nice little side thing to do, bring a bit more life into the game. I also have plans, more plans for Echo S. Uh, I did already mention the, uh, the addition of the On the Way to a Smile series being added to the end. But something that you probably know, you would be aware of with Echo S, is that it has a day and night system, fully optional. And it did have a weather system once upon a time, but I'm still, I took that out because I was still working on it. But I want to use these more because all of the NPCs and stuff, they these things have no actual impact on the world. They're really just purely there for looks. 
And I would love to be able to code all the NPCs in the world to actually have schedules so that if it gets past 6 p.m., all of the stores will close. If it passes midnight, then the bars will close. Only the inn will be open. You'll have to go to the inn and sleep to pass time. The NPCs will actually go home and lock their doors at night and go to bed like normal people. Uh, maybe you'll find one or two people wandering the streets at night. Who knows? With the weather system, if it happens to be raining, I would love the NPCs to be able to model swap to uh, to have umbrellas or go get a raincoat. Or maybe they'll just go home because it's raining. Maybe their dialogue will change because they're complaining about the weather. Uh, the day and night system also has the date coded built into it as well. I want to absolutely cover FF7 XOS full of Easter eggs that can like only be found if you do a certain thing on a certain day of a certain month at a certain time. And I want it to become just like the Final Fantasy IX side quest that took 15 years for anybody to find. <laughs> I want to make some of those. I, I want to be able to have different versions of the screens for like Calm that is covered in snow for when it's Christmas time have decorations up or Halloween decorations, have all the NPCs, like children walking around, excuse me, dressed as tonberries and stuff for, for <laughs> going trick-or-treating. You know, it, my ideas go so far and beyond. <laughs> it, so it, unnecessary. <laughs> and some amazing feat of ideas you've got there. Um, I mean, where yeah. to begin? How, how do you prioritize... Things yeah, like it's, it's tough. <laughs> but what, what what's nice and reassuring about all these things is I've already tested and I know that they do exist. They are possible. I've proven that they are all already possible. It's just time. That's that's all it is. And Croesus oh, yeah. has just written in chat, uh, so when are you writing your own game? Have you ever thought about writing your own game? I have. Uh, I actually have my entire game already planned in my head. I know what my game is going to be. And it's going to be very different to what you're expecting. You probably expect me to make a Final Fantasy RPG-esque style game. Uh, that would not be the case. I don't feel like I could do one justice. Um, my ideal game, in fact, comes more into play with my number two favorite game that I mentioned earlier, Escape from Tarkov. But I, I love the idea of creating a map the size of uh, Skyrim. I'll use that as a good example because the map's huge. And it's one huge, dead, derelict city. And it's going to be zombie style. Except it's also going to be absolutely hugely based around survival and stuff. But games like that do exist. But they always make compromises. If anyone's ever played the World War Z game, that one is absolutely insanity. It's pure linear, and there isn't much reason to play the game repeatedly. But they have done hordes properly. When a horde comes, a horde comes. And I absolutely want to combine all of my favorite features from a bunch of different survival and zombie and building and crafting and RPG style games and just, just make them into my own thing. I don't know how many people would care about that. Like I said, you're probably expecting me to give a Final Fantasy answer. If you want a Final Fantasy answer, I will be involved in a video game that is Final Fantasy related. Um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about that one. Uh, we'll get around to it at some point. The other person that is involved is here, and they can let me know if I'm allowed to talk about that one or not. Because <laughs> that's that's their baby, and I'm just uh, helping the helping along with the ride. So that's but, really yeah, cool. If you, if you want, if you want my vision and my skills in an RPG game, it will still exist. It just won't be mine per se. It's 
collaboration. So, well, you've clearly got plenty of things. You've got plenty of things to keep you busy for probably the rest of your life. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. My my last question was: What are your your big plans for sooner mods in the future, and yourself as an individual? Um, we've sort of touched across that, but if there is anything else that you think we haven't mentioned yet, is mm. there is there any area you'd like to to discuss? So. Personally, I don't think things are going to change too much in the future. Um, you know, I'd like us to grow and keep getting new members and new new people will come in and see awesome stuff and be like, oh, I want to learn how to do that and then learn from our tutors and then also join the team and create awesome stuff and eventually replace us. You know, that's it's a really cool feeling. Um, but at the same time, we do have another Echo S. It's, it's a lot less spoke about just because... Uh, Typically for me, you know, the, the brand Suna Mods is tied to Final Fantasy and trying to break out of that net is both difficult and a little dangerous. Um, especially when it comes to like being a streamer and stuff. If your niche is one specific thing and then you stop doing that one specific thing, chances are a lot of people are going to leave and not come back again. You know, they're not interested. Um, but we have a King of Fighters 15 Echo S mod, which is a fighting game, uh, a reasonably new fighting game, and it's currently in beta testing. Uh, it is very nearly complete. It will be our second Echo S mod that will ever be released. And it's our first ever Echo S mod where we've branched outside of the Final Fantasy series. And that is something we would like to keep doing, which was going to happen eventually anyway. People keep saying Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross, you know, <laughs> Legend of Dragoon and stuff. So it was going to happen inevitably anyway. But to be able to grow our Discord server to contain a bunch of different games, fill it with modders that are all willing to have some random guy named Dave69 join the server 20 minutes ago and be like, hey, I want to know how to do this. And one of our team members just be like, yeah, here's all the documentation I've got. If you need a hand, let me know. Just ping me. I'm here anytime. Like that, with, with what I grew up with, or quote unquote grew up with in the FF7 modding sphere, that to me sounds like a distant dream. It's so far from what was real at one point in time that it doesn't feel like it could ever be real. And it will at some point because I've I've raised Suna mods to be that way, if that makes sense. Um but yeah, just this just have this epic community that all want to help each other, keep old video games alive, you know. Because I, I one thing I imagine, we we all feel the same way, but Let's say that uh, your parents, right? All of our parents, they would have listened to music when when they were our age. And they've probably showed you those songs. And I'm not talking about the ones that we all love from the 80s and the 70s, you know, whatever, the bangers. But they've probably showed you music that they thought was absolutely incredible. You've listened to it and go, the fuck? You thought this was good? You know, just like the teenagers are doing to my music now. <laughs> and video games are going to have the exact same problem. But... I think that modding probably has a lot to do with the fact that these games haven't gone through that yet. Like I said earlier, I have come across a ton of people on Twitch that are playing Final Fantasy VII for the first time modded because they refuse to play it without mods before then. It's just too old for them. They cannot deal with it. And I want to just see how long we can keep these old games alive. That's, that's going to be... That's going to be a goal that I will strive to uh, to do. 
And I I think all of us very much appreciate you for doing that. Thank you so much, Suna. Um, that that is the end of my questions for tonight. And and yeah, I mean we're we're all big fans of all the work that you and your team do. Uh, you really do keep the the games alive. We're all big Final Fantasy fans here, obviously. And um, yep. and yeah, you you guys really help keep it vibrant and keep us playing a game that we've all played hundreds of times before. Um, so yeah, we're all saying thank you very much and thank you for your time this evening and all of the gossip that you've given us. We really appreciate <laughs> it. Um, if you could please just for let sure. us know, uh, when, when are you, when are you streaming? When do you have a streaming schedule that you stick to? Uh, I don't, um, <laughs> I have, I have an invisible streaming, streaming schedule that I stick to. It just isn't consistent. Um, there is a reason for this. Two reasons. Number one is just I'm I'm a terrible streamer. I, I admit this. But number two is that I found so many times that if I put myself under a schedule and people expect me to be there, it feels too much like a job. Now, streaming is my job. Don't get me wrong. But if I know I have to be there at a specific time every day, I am far less likely to actually want to be there or I will stream for less because I enjoy it less. It's... You know, it's, 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 it doesn't, I don't know if anyone like understands that very well, but typically I would stream at 10, 11 PM, uh, British standard time, uh, or UK time, if that's easier. Um, and I would go on till essentially seven o'clock in the morning. Cause I live on American hours because all my teammates are American. It's annoying. Um, but yeah, if, if you ever decide to come by my stream, you can become an NPC if you wanted to, if you wanted to have a voice, if you wanted to have your voice inside Final Fantasy VIII, Final Fantasy IX, or any of the other projects that we do in the future, you absolutely can have your voice in as long as your mic quality is above reasonable, you know? Uh, if you just want to be able to keep me company while I make these things, because I I have a little uh, saying, like a little script that I run at the end of every time I, uh, every time I stream. Uh, as do most streamers, I think, when they say goodbye. And, you know, I'll always say thank you for the follows, the subs, the bits, the host, the donations and whatever. But most of all, thanks for people's company, because having people's company, which was something I touched on earlier, is if you weren't there to talk to me and stop me getting bored when I'm just cutting up lines and naming them one, two, three, and not doing anything and just doing a bit of code, it's super boring. And if you're not there to keep me company, chances are ECOS would take a year longer because I just get bored quicker, right? Um, so if you want to just come keep me company, talk to me, get to know me a bit, maybe you want to learn how mods actually work, how they're created. If you want to be able to make some yourself, if you want to be a part of them, any of those things, then by all means, come say hi. If you have more questions that maybe you didn't get to ask today or you know, you get that thing where the thing that you were doing ends and then you're like, oh God, why didn't I do this? You know, thanks brain. You know, if that happens to you, you can go by anytime. <laughs> and yeah, we, we can talk stuff. Yeah. Or if and... you're a streamer too. Uh, sorry, totally interrupted you there. Go on. <laughs> if you're a streamer as well, something I very much enjoy doing while I'm working, one of my favorite topics, in fact, is just talking about streaming. All the tips that I've learned being a streamer, how to grow your audience and like all these different things, you know, because I have a bit of experience with it. I'm, I'm touching partner. I'm, I'm, I'm right there. <laughs> it's going to happen this year one way or another. 
And I just love talking about all the stuff I've learned being a streamer and try and help my community become bigger and better streamers too. So if you have questions about that, by all means. <laughs> yes, everyone, you should go check out Zuna. Uh, go follow the Twitch. I've just put it all in, in there, but go follow the Twitch and so the notifications are on so you can find when he goes live. You can see when he goes live. Um, and thank you again, Zuna. Thank you so much for uh, talking with us tonight. It has been absolutely wonderful. And everybody in chat, thank you very much for your questions. Thank you for all of the conversation that you have been having amongst yourselves all of the jokes, all of the jokes about, uh, what was it, uh, 60 frames per second? 60 frames, FFA. It'll happen eventually. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something stopping the FFNX team right now. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, thank you very much, everybody. If, if anyone is ever interested in being a part of this podcast, you are very welcome to come and reach me in my DMs. Um, we do all sorts of different topics. Uh, you're welcome to just throw them my way. This will be up on YouTube tomorrow. It will also be across Spotify, all of the other podcast platforms. So thank you very much, everybody. And thank you again, Suna. Thank you so much. We're going to say bye. Yeah, for sure. See you later, everybody. Bye.